Good morning, church family. Good to see you guys. Hope everybody's doing well. As Ricky mentioned, we're in this series on the family, and uh, we have talked about fighting for our families. We've talked about biblical marriage, and uh, we've also established that there are no perfect families. Uh, There are no perfect homes. There are no perfect marriages. Uh, And today we're going to talk about parenting. And, uh, and by the way, there are no perfect parents. There are no perfect moms. There are no perfect dads. There are healthy families. There are godly families. But you've got to be really intentional to build a family that is healthy, that is godly. I would say that it takes some cooperation uh, from the whole family for this to work. It's like a team. Everybody's got to be aiming at the same goal Uh, But I think most importantly, it's going to take the Spirit of God helping us. I want to read this Psalm 127, starting in verse 1. It says, Unless the Lord builds a house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him, like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. This psalm has really two audiences. It has the audience of parents, but also a larger community. This actually was a a psalm that was sung as a song over every Hebrew child that was born. And the whole purpose of this is for us to understand that there are two primary places in which God wants to raise children. First and foremost, in the home, in a godly home, and then also around the body of Christ in the church. It says that children are a gift, a reward, but it also says that children are an arrow, a weapon. And arrows are not meant to stay in the quiver. They are meant to be released into the world. Now, I know that every once in a while, an arrow thinks it's a boomerang. And every once in a while, they boomerang on back home. And that's okay. That can happen in certain seasons. I get that. My kids are not old enough for that to be the case, but I'm sure there may be a a chance that one of mine will wind up being back in the house. But the purpose of parenting It's to steward and then release your children into the world as a force for the kingdom of God. That is the purpose. That is the responsibility that God has given us. Cody and I have four arrows. And some of you have one or two or three. I think once you get over five, you just lose count. Uh, I don't know if there's any families in here that have over six kids. Any families with five or more kids in the house? Okay, okay. Okay, we want, we're going to just stop the service right now and pray for these folks. <laughs> Woo! Some of you don't have any arrows right now. Uh, some of you, it's just not the season for that. The Lord will lead you. But we also have families in our church that struggle with infertility. We have couples that have suffered the pain of miscarriage. One in three pregnancies will end in that pain. One in three. And we want you to know 
that we are believing with you that God will heal you and give you the desires of your heart. We know that he knows what you want. And we know that his plan and his purpose is perfect. This verse is saying that our kids are not liabilities, they are assets and blessings. They're a purpose for this world. And we parents, we're the warriors, and we have a short season where they're in our quiver. They're under our training care. And we have to stay very focused on what matters most in their training. I just wanna say up front, Cody and I don't have all this figured out. Our kids are relatively young and on any given day, 50% of my kids don't even like me. Like, it just, it's just that way. And there are a lot of you, honestly, that you could probably get up here and do a much better job with giving us instruction and advice on how to raise kids well, because a lot of you, you've already done it. Like, you've, you've shot them out into the world and they're doing well. And, uh, but you don't wanna stand on the stage and hold this mic. And so it is left to me. <laughs> to do this, uh, the truth is Cody should be the one up here telling you all these biblical principles and parenting principles, and she would be up here communicating this, but she's been busy being a good parent. And so, so uh, again, I just want to talk to you about what I know the word says and some things that we feel like we've learned. Some biblical principles of parenting that we've learned from the word, but we've also learned by observing. I think it's really important that you find a family that you feel has done this well and learn from them, interview them, emulate what you've watched, what you've seen. First of all, I think we have to teach kids constantly. And I think we have to take responsibility for teaching our kids the truth, teaching in the Bible, its principles, teaching them how to honor authority, teaching them about the birds and the bees, all of that. And it's our responsibility as parents. And this is really important. We can't blame culture or schools or the church for our kids of lack of knowledge and understanding of the truth. We have to take responsibility. In Deuteronomy 6, 5 through 9, it says this, and you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Now, we've already talked through this verse, but let's look at it, how it pertains to our kids specifically. Repeat them again and again to your children. How many of y'all know you have to say something a couple of times, a few times, in order for your kids to get it. Anybody in the house? Is there an amen out there anywhere where you understand what I'm talking about? So the word is telling us, hey, this is gonna happen. Tell them again and again. Talk to them about it when you are at home, when you're on the road, when you're on the way to school, when you're on the way home from school, when you're on your way to your neighbor's house, when you're on your way to a friend, friend's house, when you're on your way to a restaurant, when you're going to bed, when you're getting up in the morning, tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Keep it in front of them all the time. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Proverbs 22.6 says this, direct your children into the right path and when they're older, they will not leave it. We only have so much time to do this, so. 
look, we want our kids to have a relationship with us, right? We don't want our kids just to do stuff because we said so. That never works. We need influence. We want them to want to come to us when they have questions. We need communication about their friends, their hopes and dreams, school activities, interaction with the opposite sex, things that they're struggling with, issues they're having, failures, insecurities, fears, the word of God and prayer. But the truth is we want them to want to hear what we have to say. And I find that one of the best teachers is asking good questions. The truth is you know a lot more than your kids regardless of whether or not your kids believe that or not. Any teenagers in the house that you're raising, all right? Now I know that they get to an age where all of a sudden it's like, man, I no longer need parental units. I know everything there is to know. I have the internet. And I get that. But the truth is you still have some responsibility and some knowledge and wisdom and truth that they need to have, but it's our responsibility to win influence with them so that they want to hear what we have to say. And I think when you value what they think, it gives you an open door to have influence. And I think asking good questions is a great way to value their perspective, their understanding, to get them talking and communicating. One of the things that we learned from Pastor Rick and Michelle is when we sit around the dinner table at night, we do highs and lows, highs and lows. What was, was a great part about your day? What was the part about your day that wasn't so great? And then we talk about that. We ask questions around that. And then for us, we do a number. What's your number? From one to 10. 10, great, and it just gives us a gauge. So if they say seven, okay, why, why, why aren't you an eight? Why aren't you a, a six? What, what is it that puts you in that spot? Get them talking. I think we also have to love them deeply. A few things with this. Attention is a big part. Kids spell love, T-I-M-E. And I would encourage you to be in the moment. Look, our phones and iPads are a problem. Video games are a problem. Kids need quality time. The gift of presence cannot be overstated. Just being around, I think laughing and having fun, being crazy. Uh, some of you people need to relax. In fact, turn to your neighbor right now, punch him in the arm as hard as you can and say, relax. I'm, I'm joking, don't do that. But, but I feel that way sometimes. Like some of you are like, come on, just, yeah, lighten up a little bit, okay? I wanna call some of you out right now, but I won't do that. This is what it says in Proverbs 17, 22. A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. I want you to think about that in context of your kids. Like you want them and their hearts to be healthy because there's joy and laughter around your home or do you want them to just not wanna be home because there's no joy, there's no peace. I also think they need affection. I think it's incredibly important that our kids receive and learn healthy affection in the home because so often if they don't, they will seek that affection somewhere else and it doesn't typically stay healthy or godly. 
I think it's important for them to learn it in a healthy way with the people that love them and have their eternal purpose in mind. And some kids want this more than others. Some of my kids want it more than others. The ones that want it, I know because the moment I get out of my car, they are hanging all over me. I am a jungle gym. And then there are other kids, I will have to chase them down. But I will. And I will kiss them all over their face. I don't care how old they are, how big they are. I will always be stronger than my children when it comes to this. I will make a way. I want them to receive affection from their earthly father as a physical representation of what their heavenly father wants to give them so that in security of that, they will wait on their heavenly father to pursue affection from another person in the right time, place, and season of their life. I want that for them. So that's important. Affirmation. I think it's important to encourage our kids, speak life into them. Last week, we talked about this principle that a lot of men struggle with the thought of, I don't have what it takes. And a lot of women struggle with, I'm not loved. So think about that in the context of your kids. We can predict what our kids are gonna be predisposed to think. And I know that we don't wanna raise kids that think the whole world revolves around them. But we also don't wanna raise kids who don't feel affirmed and loved unconditionally. In Matthew 3, verse 16, it says, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting him, lightning on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love with him. I am well pleased. Look, everything that happens in the word is an example. And I think it's really important. Look, if Jesus needed to be affirmed by his heavenly father, I think it's important for our kids to be affirmed by us. But how do we affirm them? If you affirm them based on your temporary, natural knowledge and ability, that'll help. It'll help a little bit. I think it's much more important to encourage them about the truth of what God thinks about them, how God sees them. Affirming them based on their gifts and their talents and those things, those are fine, but I think it's important to say, and all those gifts and talents were given to you by your heavenly father because he loves you, because he has a plan and a purpose. They need to find their eternal identity and purpose, first and foremost. Affirm them in those things, what the word says about them, in addition to what you know about them. I think it's also important that we discipline them consistently. That's consistently, not constantly, although a lot of us feel it's constantly. It feels that way. I think it's really important that we discipline our kids. There's a lot of different methods. Some spank, some don't, some do timeouts where they ground their kids. I would say this, the motive is infinitely more important than the method, but you need to discipline your children or they will grow up spoiled, rotten, and rebellious and make life hard on all of us, including you. That's just the truth. 
This is not the most fun subject to talk about, but it is very important. I think that people, I find, get very defensive when you talk to them about how they should or shouldn't discipline their kids. Um, probably more defensive than almost any other subject. The truth is this, we've all had a time when we wish we could tell somebody how they need to discipline their kids. Real talk. We have also had a time when one of our kids was having an absolute meltdown in the middle of a restaurant. And we said things like, oh, they're just tired. <laughs> we have made plenty of excuses. Rather than just telling the truth, there is rebellion bound up in their hearts. <laughs> when I get home, I'm gonna continue the process of driving it out. For now, I am sorry about how they are acting. It is partially my responsibility. Proverbs 23, 13 says this, do not withhold discipline from a child. If you punish them with the rod, they won't die. But if you punish them with the rod, it'll save them from death. It's pretty strong. It's the Bible. I didn't write that. The truth is discipline is an eternal issue. It's an eternal issue. If a child cannot submit to their parents or other authority, then they will have a hard time trusting and submitting to God. Godly discipline and correction is teaching them about submitting, not just to you, but more importantly, submitting their will to God. It's directly connected. Proverbs 19, 18 says, discipline your children while there is hope. Otherwise, they will ruin their lives. So some things about discipline. Godly discipline is clear. It's clear. I think a lot of times there's unreasonable expectations, uncommunicated expectations, we have to be very clear when we discipline. I think there's a lot of kids that are getting disciplined unfairly because they don't understand. They misunderstood. The parent was vague in what they wanted them to do. We cannot discipline because we're getting annoyed or mad or had a rough day or they're being too loud. Kids need to know that they're being disciplined for disobedience and rebellion, not because they're acting like a kid. There's a difference. Godly discipline is compassionate. I would encourage you never to discipline when you're angry. I would encourage you that if you are frustrated or upset, send them to a place where they can think about what they did and their actions and give them time to do that. But more importantly, give you time to get some perspective on where you're at and what your motive is. Why is it that you're getting ready to do what you're doing? What is your heart in doing it? I have to do this a lot. Take a breath. And then I think it is incredibly important that immediately after discipline, you have a discussion about why. The why is so much more important than the what. And not even the what of, do you know why you got a spanking? Because a kid will tell you, because I did this. They need to understand why them doing that doesn't just affect them then, but it can affect them in the future. They have to start connecting those pieces. It's hard when they're little, but it doesn't mean that you don't do it. You still have to do it. You still have to start communicating, hey, the reason why 
it's not okay for you to do this is because as you get older, that will turn into something else. That's the word of God. It, it will give birth to something else and that'll give birth to something else. That's the reason. The heart behind the discipline is infinitely more important. But you won't find the heart if you're not compassionate. Honestly, we do spank. I don't prefer it. I don't like it. It's hard on me. I always used to just, it used to tick me off when my parents would say, this hurts me much more than it hurts you. I'm like, give me the paddle. I'll show you something. But it does, it hurts your heart. It's like, man, I'm sorry. Any parent that enjoys that, you need to check yourself. I'm serious. Where, what? There should, there should, there's nothing about that that is enjoyable. But this is what I know. It's biblical. And for our family, it produces the fruit that needs to be produced. I think it's incredibly important that after my kids receive that kind of discipline though, that I go back to being warm towards them as soon as I can. Even if I am frustrated, even if I am disappointed, it is much more important that they know that they are unconditionally loved and forgive by not just what I say, but how I treat them afterwards. Get back to that. Godly discipline is convicting. Convicting. Ephesians 6, 4 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way that you treat them. Rather, bring them up in the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. See, conviction is very specific. That's how we know when conviction is from the Holy Spirit, because he's very specific in how he convicts us. Condemnation is very general. So I think it's very important that you consider that when you discipline your kids and not being general and what you would say about them. Condemnation says stuff like you're a bad person. You're not gonna do this right in life. Never tell your kids that they're bad or make a general statement about their character because you will shape their identity with your words. It's much more important that you are being led by the Holy Spirit to bring conviction to a specific area. And understand that when God disciplines you, he is not disciplining you with any memory of a previous context of something else you did. He's addressing you in the moment because he has already cast what you did as far as the East is from the West. See, I wish we had that ability, but never approach discipline with the full context of every other time you had to discipline for the same thing. If you do that, you will be tempted to heave condemnation instead of being led by the Holy Spirit to a discipline and bring conviction to the moment. Very important. Godly discipline is covering. It's covering. Don't ever shame them or discipline them in public. Now, I understand there are times in public you have to get their attention. That's one thing. Like if a kid's getting ready to run out on a freeway and there's people around, it's understandable for you to yell and scream and get their attention. 
But there's a lot of other times when you don't need to correct and punish and discipline. Cover them like God has covered you. Protect them, protect their hearts. Don't discipline in front of friends or family. Even the family in your house as much as possible. Get them away from their siblings. So what do I do? Hey, I want you to go to your room for a second. I'd like to chat with you. When we get home, remind me that we need to have a conversation. Woo! I think it's very effective to whisper into their sweet little ears when our company leaves. Daddy is going to have a little talk with you about your attitude. You know, raising kids is hard. Truthfully, Cody and I, we're, we're in a bit of a season right now where our rhythm's a little thrown off because we're remodeling a little bit in our house and so things are disheveled. It's hard for us. Routines are important, you know. And when those things get disrupted, it's easy for attitudes and emotions and a lot of things to get out of whack. And, um, and so, like I've already said, we, we don't get this right all the time. I've made mistakes in every one of these areas, more than likely in the last couple days. But I know what is most important and that is that God has placed these kids in my hand to steward their lives for a season. And I hold them just like that. I don't hold them like this, like they're mine because they're not. I hold them like this because they were given to me as a responsibility, I'm not gonna drop them, but, but I know whose they are. But the only way that I can keep that in focus and keep that balance I have to know who I am. I have to remember the ways the Lord has loved me, covered me, disciplined me, forgiven me, brought me joy, brought me peace. And the great thing is this, when you keep that context, it keeps you humble and it keeps you thankful. And there is something so powerful about a parent coming and kneeling beside their kid's bed or just kneeling before them and looking in the eyes and said, you know what, I messed up. I yelled way too loud. I was angry when I disciplined you. I shouldn't have done that. Will you forgive me? And it's amazing how God's grace can cover. So some of you, you have, you feel almost hopeless right now because you feel like, man, it's just too far gone. No, no, it's not, it's not. Walk humbly before your God. Seek to understand his love, his grace for you, and just simply extend that to your children. 
doesn't matter how old they are. If they've left the home, you feel like, no, it's, no, make the effort. Make the effort. Be humble. Keep loving them. Keep showing them that love as much as you can. God can soften their heart. God can do that. For those that have lost children, you're gonna meet them again. You'll see them again. Miscarriages, I know those are painful. You will see them again, but know that God is still good. He's still working. He still has a plan. He still has a purpose. I don't know what the context is. Throughout any family series, it's really difficult to speak to every situation and every circumstance. And the last thing I wanna do is be insensitive to every person in this room, but, but I know this. You're here right now. God wants to do something in you. That's what's most important. Let's close our eyes, bow our heads. The greatest responsibility that we have as parents is to point our kids toward their identity in Christ and their eternal purpose in Him. Everything else is just an added extra benefit. All the extra activities, all of that, those are extras. But the most important responsibility we have is to point our kids towards their identity in Christ and attach them to their eternal purpose. It is impossible for any person to do that without some sort of confidence in what that means for them first. And so I just wanna pray into that with you. If you're here and the truth is you don't have any confidence about your identity in Christ. And that may be because you don't have a relationship with him. Maybe you feel distant from him, away from him. And, but you're feeling him calling you. You're feeling him drawing you back to himself. I think it'd be really important for you to respond to that. I think it's important that you demonstrate that through humility, through your free will to say, that's me. And if you're in this room and you know you're away from the Lord for whatever reason, you're ready to come back to him today. You wanna walk back into or begin the process for the first time of understanding his love, his grace, his mercy, his forgiveness, what it means to be his son, to be his daughter. Nobody's looking around and I don't wanna embarrass anyone. I wanna give you an opportunity to respond. If that's you, would you please put your hand up right now? I wanna pray with you. As soon as I see your hand, you put it down. God, thank you. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Thank you, guys. Got it, bro. Yes, ma'am. Thank you, God. Anybody else? Yes, sir. Got it. I got you, bro. Look, I know that it is not easy. <laughs> Even though it's just me and you and the Lord, I would encourage you. Every person that just raised their hand, that didn't get them saved, but it did release some faith in them. <laughs> it's helping grace hit their hearts right now. Is there anybody else? 
Thank you, man. Come on. Yes, sir. Anybody else? Lord, I thank you for those few hands. Man, I know it is your desire that every one of them could just even have a glimpse or just even a vague understanding of how much you love them, how accepted they are by you. Lord, you established their value by what you were willing to exchange for them. Their value is established because you were willing to exchange your son. I mean, what kind of love can that be? So if you raise your hand, let's just talk to him. And even though we don't understand it, and even though it's hard for us to wrap our brains around, let's just in faith receive it, accept it. Just say something like this. Say, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner and I know that I can't save myself. I feel distant, but right now I'm coming back to you. And I believe that the price that you paid on the cross for my sin was enough. And I ask for your forgiveness for my sin. Please forgive me. But I thank you that you didn't just die to save me from my sin, but you also rose from the grave to defeat my sin, to defeat death itself. And so, Father, I wanna walk into the purpose and the identity that I have in you the purpose that you have for me. Would you lead me by your spirit? Would you guide me by the word? Would you help me be connected? Right now, I surrender to you, to your lordship, to your plan and to your purpose. And I turn away from living for myself, living the way the world would want me to live. I repent. Father, thank you for every person that made that decision. And Father God, in the name of Jesus, I speak your healing power over every couple that has lost a child, over every couple that lost a child, either through a death later on in their life or as a miscarriage or whatever it is. I thank you that you bring healing. Your word says that you comfort those who have experienced those loss, that they are blessed because of the nearness of who you are in their lives because of that. And right now in the name of Jesus, God, I speak to every person who's struggling with infertility. God, I thank you that your plan and your purpose is powerful and testimony after testimony, God, of how you have moved in those situations. God, I can't imagine the frustration and the pain, the desire so longing to bring forth life and just not understanding why it's not happening. And I thank you, God, that we can bring the frustration and the pain of those questions to you and, and you're not thrown off by them. But I also thank you, God, that we can rest in knowing that you know and that you love us. God, I thank you for every family that's in here that has continued to stand in the gap and pray for a child that is away from you. I know that that's painful, Lord. And I just thank you, God, that as they continue to grow in who they are in you and the understanding of who they are in you, that you just help them be a conduit to express that love, that forgiveness into their kids in Jesus' name. God, I thank you that they can stay out of the way of your spirit 
and allow him to work, but in obedience, reach out with love and compassion. Lord, that they would encourage them and remind them of what you spoke over them before the creation of the world. Draw them back, Lord. Draw them back. Give those parents your wisdom, your patience. Let the fullness of the fruit of your spirit be evident, Lord, in how they love those kids. I thank you for it. Lord, we surrender to you. We need your help. Lord, if we've gotten off track, help us to be humble and teachable. Get back on track. Help us to keep the main thing the main thing. It's you, your kingdom, your glory. Thank you for helping us to do that. In Jesus' name, amen.